Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes Kate Ekman, author of The Full Spirit Workout. Just like strong physical muscles help us live more effectively, strong spiritual muscles give us the power to navigate our internal and external world. So tune in and learn what's possible when you get your spirit into shape. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you are always welcome to access the show archives. Um, there are a couple places you can do that. Um, of course, at the station website, 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. Uh, you can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. And a quick disclaimer for KPCA in Petaluma. That the views expressed here are not necessarily the views of Petaluma Community Access, KPCA Radio, or its board of directors, volunteers, staff, or underwriters. And my website for housekeeping is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. Hi, Benny. How are you? Doing very well, Sonny. You have quite the little uh, roadshow going on and update. <laughs> I'm going to just say it right now. I think you need to tell everybody what just happened. Oh, dear. Which one? The, the hot, hot see? No, I see, Yeah, see, I got it. You have so much to talk about. It's so hard to pinpoint which one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got, there are so many, like, we've got the big adventure, and then we've got little side adventures on the main adventure. But yeah, we had a dear friend in Petaluma um, recommended that if we were to go through New Mexico, mm -hmm. which we had planned to, mm -hmm. Um, to go through a little place called Truth or Consequences um, that I wasn't familiar with. Actually, Chase randomly, I guess randomly, had been there as a child. A, a friend's father was born and raised there. So he had been there before, but I didn't know there were these delightful hot springs mm -hmm. um, right there on the Rio Grande. And um, I think it's 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 said that the um, Native American um, folks who were there uh, used these hot springs. I think Geronimo, Chief Geronimo specifically, um, is said to have used these hot springs for their healing properties, you know, before and after war and for ceremonies and things like that. So um, yeah, we were able to, um, they, they have a number of different ones you can choose from, but our friend recommended this specific place called River Bend. And oh my gosh, it did not disappoint. So yeah, Benny, <laughs> I think you may have seen my little post about that. I did. It was great. You and uh, Chase look amazing. And mm. it only brought me back to when I was a kid living in Alaska, I know we took a road trip. Um, it was just one of those summer things. And we went up to pass uh, Fairbanks, which is quite a few hour drive from where I'm from in Soldotna and south of Anchorage. So we're up in Fairbanks and it's called China Hot Springs. And I remember up there, I'm like, oh, just the view you had and all of just the lovely, just it looked amazing. It brought me back so quick to when I was like, uh, uh, just a young little whippersnapper, oh, you know, and so <laughs> it makes me want to so go glad. again. That's actually my first time to be at a natural hot spring yeah. and, and having driven through the desert, we uh -huh. made it through Arizona and we hadn't seen natural occurring water in quite some time. And so to come <laughs> upon this oasis of the Rio Grande River or Rio Grande, I'm mm -hmm. not sure, I'm probably not saying it right, but in any event, it was, it was a very special, unusual yeah. little place. So very anyway, spiritual. Yep, yeah. Very spiritual. Cool. 
Exactly. More updates to come next week when we have First Friday with Dr. Alessandra. I know lots has happened and I'm sure I think we'll be in Fredericksburg, Texas by that point. We're currently in Santa Fe at the moment. All right. Anywho, okay, so let's bring on our amazing guest for today. Um, As anyone who's been listening to the show for any amount of time knows, if it's a New World Library author, chances are I want to talk to them. And so this is no accident that we have today joining us, Kate Ekman, who is the author of the brand new book, The Full Spirit Workout um, through New World Library. Um, So just to give you a little background on Kate, Kate Ekman is a Columbia University certified executive leadership coach. She leverages her experience as a well-known communications, performance, and mindfulness expert. She's an accomplished entrepreneur and elite athlete, using all of these skills to equip leaders with the tools, methodology, and energetic boost they need to excel. Kate's work is rooted in neuroscience, positive psychology, and whole person coaching techniques. Passionate about mindfulness practices for both brain and body health, Kate is a meditation teacher and course creator for Insight Timer, the world's number one ranked free meditation app, which is the one that I also happen to use. Um, You can find out more about Kate by visiting her website. Um, That website is kateekman.tv, kateekman.tv, and Ekman is spelled uh, E-C-K-M-A-N. Kate, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Sunny, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, so excited to speak with you. And anytime Kim Corbin sends someone my way, I know that they are quality. And I, your book was just so much fun to read, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so anyway, so happy to have you here. Um, so why don't we dive in? Um, one of the things that really resonated with me in your story was um, a history um, of allowing your self-worth to be defined by people and sources outside of yourself. And I was wondering if we could just start there because it feels like there was that part of your life, like the, the, there was the, that was happening. And then you have the shift to where you are now with the full spirit workout and not looking to those externals. So what was going on in your life or tell us about your background that really caused you to be allowing um, those your self-worth to be defined by other people? Sure. Well, I think my story is everyone's story, quite frankly. I think we are all guilty of thinking that our worth is determined by what we look like, how much money we make, how many people we're impressing with likes, followers, all of those sorts of things, our house, our car, all of the shiny objects that society says we have to have to even be worthy of anything and all the research that I've done and, and research aside, let's be real. My own life experience has, has also said that none of those things actually move the happiness or well-being meter for us. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't. And, and what moves the happiness meter are things like acts of kindness and service, time affluence, social connection, sleep, exercise. And we've just been programmed into societal standards that we don't even really believe in. Our culture tells us that we are nothing without all of these things, especially as women. And and I was programmed into that like many. And I had a forward-facing career where despite the fact that I was a broadcaster interviewing people like President Barack Obama and Angelina Jolie and was the face of several global global beauty brands as a TV personality. I worked for some of the biggest names in fashion as a model, and it was just never enough because when we place our worth outside of ourselves, we can truly never have enough or be enough. So like many, I was on this sweaty, frantic hamster wheel in, in New York City and 
I, I, it was unsustainable. And I had a wake up call in, in the midst of this career where I was achieving outside success, but feeling unfulfilled and anxious and, and stressed and doubting and insecure on the inside. And I lost not one, but two dear friends to suicide in one year and found myself with having a panic attack in the middle of Times Square, which is panic inducing, even under the best of circumstances. <laughs> right. And, 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 and it really, you know, I had a moment at a, a Dwayne Reed at the corner of, you know, 8th Avenue and 34th Street across from Penn Station, where I, I contemplated taking a, a bottle of antidepressants because I was in so much pain. I was out of my mind. I didn't, I, I just, I didn't know how to handle the grief. I wasn't giving myself the proper care. And it was such a wake up call. And I knew my life depended on answering the wake up call and, and finding the keys and tools on the inside. And as an athlete for 17 years, I was a swimmer competitively all through college. I, I knew how hard I had to train my physical muscles to compete at a high level. And so I thought there must be a way to train my attitudinal muscles and get really strong and fit and resilient and confident, real confident, not performance confident on the inside. And, and that's, that was, you know, six years ago. And I've been so dedicated and, and gotten so many degrees and certifications to help this work to really not just impact my life and my clients' lives, but I, I wanted tools that the world could use because we are in crisis, quite frankly, and, and we all need to really start getting more fit and toned on the inside. Couldn't agree more. And I also want to point out here, um, I know we've seen, well, you have become very involved in suicide prevention and suicide um, information, you know, sharing, really getting the word out and what to look for and, and uh, the statistics. And, and I just want to point out that these two friends that, that you lost um, within about a year of each other to suicide, these were folks who on the outside also appeared to have it all. And you say in the book, you didn't even see that there were any signs. And so I wondered if we could just um, pause here for a moment and, and acknowledge number one, that there are a lot of people that we have perhaps in our own life and definitely strangers passing on the street, that there is so much turmoil and agony going on on the inside. And then number two, that, 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 the perfection on the outside is not where it's at. So how, how Kate, what do you want to say about what we should be thinking about so that this doesn't happen to someone in our life, if we can at all prevent it? Sure. And, and thank you for even allowing me to talk about suicide. You know, you never grow up and think, oh, I'm going to be a suicide prevention activist, but this is a life assignment. I'm honored to do this work and speak openly about it, even though it's extremely hard and triggering and emotional because people are suffering and people are struggling and, and suicide is now the leading cause of death, which is horrifying to me. And it doesn't have to be that way because all it is, is, is someone who has just simply forgotten who they are in a moment. And that's all it takes is a moment to end a beautiful life. And, and so I, I'm not going to have that happen on my watch. And I do take it very seriously. And, and I've been in my own dark place and places. And this last year, I think has pushed people past their limits. And if I've learned anything, it's that my well-being is my number one priority. It's not some cute thing to post about on Instagram. It's not some luxury or must be nice thing that I'll get to one day after I accomplish my thousand to-do list, you know, list my, mm -hmm. you know, with all the items on it. I don't know how to say that better, but I, I just, I, 
I'm not willing to go to that dark place. And I think we need to take better care of ourselves and each other and reach out to people and don't assume that because someone looks a certain way or acts a certain way or is achieving in the material world that they aren't struggling or suffering and, and to be a bit kinder to ourselves and others and check in with people and ask them, how are you doing? I, I, I feel that myself. I hear people always say, oh, I didn't think someone like you would experience that. What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I think we do a disservice when we are dismissive and we are not really checking in with ourselves. I have this practice that I now do that I've cultivated since COVID and it's called my sit and stare time. And I take mm -hmm. those at least five minutes a day and I just sit and either stare out the window, stare straight ahead, check in with myself like I would a small child and just say, how are you doing? What do you need? Uh, what's working? What isn't? And also, just even if it's silently to myself, just saying, you know, I'm so proud of you. You're working really hard. Maybe you need to take some time off. I'm noticing that you're a little exhausted and overwhelmed. Don't forget to have fun. You know, these it almost sounds absurd what I'm saying, and, and it's so simple. It's not always easy, but it's so simple. And I can I can hear the people because I've heard it oh, well, good for you. I don't have time for that. I'm so busy. I've got kids. I've got this. I've got that. And I say, I understand. You know what I don't have time for? I don't have time to be angry. I don't have time to yell at the people I love because I'm in a place of overwhelm. I don't have time to be miserable. I don't have time to be denying my gifts and strengths that I've been given that can help up uplift the world. So this is really a moment about choosing who we want to be and in this time, in this moment, and exactly where we are and, and really, really starting to take our well-being a lot more seriously. Thank you. And to that point, you made a decision to put your well-being um, first and foremost in your life um, so that you did not head down the same path that you had seen those friends head down. Um, I know just from having read the book, some of the, and, and of course your bio, um, the, the positive psychology and the neuroscience, and I recognize some of the names in the book for the resources that I know have helped you. But I'm curious to hear from your perspective, you know, what were the top really resources that inspired you to go down this path of the full spirit workout. Um, I, you mentioned A Course in Miracles. I, I'm just curious, like what were those big turnaround resources that really inspired you? A Course in Miracles, certainly it's, it's no dogma, it's no doctrine, it's a metaphysical text and it really is a mind training to detach from the thinking of the world that's all about fear, lack, competition, comparison, and plug into a thought system based on love, abundance, faith. And so that was that was a daily practice. It still is. I, I think I've I've reached a point now where the material and, and all the studying that I've done has moved from my head and the intellect down into my heart and my body. So mm. I've become the person who I mean this is this knowledge is in my bones. It's, it's just, it's part of who I am. And that's why this workout is so important too, because what happens is, is that rather than striving to make anything happen, or I've got to get this or do that, which is all about force and control, you do these practices and then you, you become the person who automatically attracts the relationships, the money, the experiences, the opportunities, all the things that you deserve and desire. And it just feels a lot more in flow. It doesn't feel so sweaty and exhausting. It feels more like calm 
and stillness. And so that was certainly a big resource and, and really just the program I was in the three CP program at Columbia university, where it was about the whole person and moving away from the anxious brain into the curious brain. So just getting more curious with our emotions and what's going on rather than judging and being so anxious all the time, that was a huge practice. And all of the science that I studied that really reinforced this notion of, of what really matters, what really makes us feel good. And one of my favorite practices is from Martin Seligman, who's the founder of positive psychology. And he talks about this practice of a gratitude visit. And most people are familiar with, with gratitude or a gratitude journal, but this is on a, a much deeper level. And you think of someone who has profoundly affected you in a positive way, who you've never properly thanked, and you write them a 300 word letter thanking them. You call them up and you say, I wanna come over. You don't tell them why. And you show up at their doorstep and you makes me cry thinking about it. And you read them this letter. And what he says is what I experienced that both people weep when this happens. And I talk about the letter I wrote to my friend, Vanessa, and just how life-changing it was for both of us and how it strengthened our relationship where she's a best friend. Now I talk to her almost every day. She's been my rock this past year. And just how sad that we meeting everyone don't really take the time to express our gratitude or love for people in this profound of a way. When do we do it? We do it at someone's funeral. And so this is, is doing it now. And, and this, these feelings of well-being last forever. I mean, I still feel the effects of it. And I I wrote and read this letter to her about a year ago. So I, I invite everyone to do that and make things like this a practice rather than thinking I need more Instagram followers. I need more money. I need more. I need to be more beautiful. I need to be, have this Ivy league education. All of those things are great. I love all of that, but they don't, they aren't moving the needle like writing a gratitude letter does for instance. Exactly. And you even mentioned in, in the book, this, this, the research behind not only the experience that you mentioned of having this connection and now beautiful closeness with this friend, but that the research that Dr. Seligman did showed that the effects after you share this letter, after you write it and then share it, there is increased happiness, a less depression, or I forget the exact things, but it was like, this has a lasting, really uh, tangible effect on one's life and brain when you do this. Yeah. And, and just how simple it is and it's free and it's fun. And I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure why we're all so resistant to these resources or these things that are within us. And I, I guess it's just, it is a practice like anything else because we we all have gone, this, the status quo, the default setting is plugged into to the society standards that tell us we suck basically. That, that, <laughs> if, if, you, if you watch advertising, if, if you watch the messaging from society, it pretty much tells us that we suck. Um, oh, if you really pay attention and if you're, not, if you're not paying attention, that's still seeping into your subconscious. And, that, and then we wonder why we all feel like crap and do the things that we do to self-sabotage. So this is a conscious, deliberate, intentional practice and workout. And if it feels challenging or uncomfortable, anything worthwhile does at first, but as you do it, you start to crave it and you build this inner musculature where you don't have to try so hard. You just get stronger and stronger. And then you're living your life from this place. And I'm here to tell you, 
it is so much better. It is, it is worth any sort of effort that you put into it. And it yields the most incredible results. I mean, I have moments every day where I get phone calls and emails and people offering me things that I would have years ago been striving so hard to even try to talk to the person who is now throwing all this money and these opportunities at me they find me. And so mm-hmm. this stuff works and I, and I'm the proof. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Cause sometimes yeah. I just, I look up and think, Oh, oh my gosh, I, I didn't have to try, but I'm like, you've been putting in the work for years, sister. Like you did your work, you're still doing your work. And now you're, you're seeing some of the results. It, it really is clear given that you have a 17 year history with competitive and elite swimming. Um, you really came at this with the same gusto, passion and discipline. And it's, it's obvious from what you've put together here and, and the effects in your life. But I also want to point out um, one of the things that stood out in your story as well is if, if you can go within for your self-worth, if you can really learn to see yourself as this beautiful, loved child of God that needs nothing more than to just simply be, if it can happen for you, it can happen for anyone. Because um, I want to just touch on here, your uh, time as a swimsuit model. And it, as you say, when you arrived in New York, you were deemed plus size, which I mean, by you... <laughs> Anyway, what is plus size in the modeling industry is not plus size, but I just want to, you know, could you speak to that? Because you, you put yourself out there and we're just, as anyone is who puts themselves out in social media, but particularly in a swimsuit model position, you, you could just be ripped up one side and down the other, even if you're flawless. So how, how can you, I'm just wondering what wisdom you have for other folks out there who haven't even had to experience that, like how you come out the other side whole. (laughs) Yeah. And, and for people who aren't familiar or haven't read the book, you know, Sunny's talking about where I wrote about being publicly body shamed while working as a size 12 swimsuit model in New York city and working alongside a size zero model. And that was just what I, I was used to is there's always, I was the quote unquote big girl on set because I'm not a size zero. I'm a, a quote unquote normal size. And yeah, size six and up is considered plus size in the fashion industry, which is a whole other sickness that we can talk about some other time. But, you know, I, it was a moment where I, I read that some of the comments, I was on this Facebook live feed with a major news organization and more than a hundred thousand viewers and, and being called derogatory names and things like that, which was just disheartening, especially as a woman who's had a whole very successful swimming career. And now I'm in a swimsuit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not the same size that I was as a competitive swimmer and I'm not 18 anymore, but it just, it really hearkened back for me the times where I've been critical of myself and where I've dished out some really harsh criticism of this vessel of love that is here to help me move and navigate throughout the world. And so I had to really check myself with how I was treating myself and and my body. And what I realized that day is that our thoughts and feelings about ourselves and our bodies are the only ones that truly matter. And rather than obsessing about why we don't have the flat stomach or why we can't have her body type or, or look this certain way to really focus on the inner characteristics that make us us. And, and a way to do that is to think of your best friend or think of even your romantic partner. Yeah, they may be physically attracted to you, but that's not what's going to keep a relationship going. They love you for your compassion and your kindness and you're funny. You're fun to be around. You're loyal. You're intelligent. And so I think the more we can cultivate those inner characteristics, 
then our beauty can shine from the inside out. And, and then we aren't so obsessed with what we look like. And I, I still get judged for what I look like all the time. On the other end, I had some woman the other day to me say, you're so beautiful. You get everything you want. What do you know about struggle? And I thought, wow, are we still doing that where we're just openly judging other people for what they look like, whether you think it's good or bad, good enough, not good enough. I, I just, we are so, especially as women, yeah. it, it, it really, men, it's like, how much money do you make? And women, it's like, how beautiful are you? And, and that's also a very subjective opinion. And it's like, thank you for complimenting my mother and father's gene pool um, <laughs> that I have nothing to do with. And it's just opinion. It's just opinion. So I, I find for myself, when I am deeply involved in a passion project, like writing this book, for example, I don't have the time, energy, or desire to be obsessed about what I look like because I'm immersed in this spiritual, soulful, heartfelt, intelligent, you know, project. And and it, it just, it doesn't matter to me. And I think that's my advice is when you do get caught in comparison or I'm not good enough or I've gained weight or whatever it is, go do something for someone else. Give yourself to an organization or cause greater than you. Work on a project that's going to help shift perspective and uplift the world. I mean, we're so much better than this. We are all multidimensional and, and way more than what we look like. Exactly. And we're usually at the point here where we would take our break at the bottom of the hour, but Cater, are you okay if we just keep on chatting and push right, on let's through? Let's roll. Let's roll, girl. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive in here with the book. Of course, the book is called The Full Spirit Workout, and I'm joined here today by the author, Kate Ekman. Um, so there are 10 steps here in this Full Spirit Workout. So why don't we just start with, it's called The Full Spirit Workout. Why, Kate? <laughs> sure. And I love your questions. You're so great. So The Full Spirit Workout. <laughs> workout is a play on the expression, the full body workout that you often hear advertised at the gym, but it's also about bringing your full spirit, your authentic truth and power, your passion, your presence, your purpose to everyone you meet and everything that you do. It's showing up like you mean it. So that's where we're starting. And, and, you know, I think people are like, a little sometimes confused about what it is, but this is a workout for your spirit that's going to help you build strong mental and emotional muscles and get fit on the inside. Yes. And I, I just want to start actually with step one, if we can unpack some of these, I, I, um, there were certain stories and quotes and things that I just really enjoyed in each of these steps. Um, and so you start with step one, stretching your comfort zone. And you write that everything that we want is really on the other side of comfy. Um, what do you mean by that? I mean that we need to be a little bit uncomfortable in order to perform and achieve our cherished goals because the goals that you want are going to stretch you, quite frankly, and are going to require a, a higher, more self-actualized version of yourself, the, the person you become, the person who can achieve these goals. And that's going to require you maybe doing something you haven't done before, stepping into an area that feels uncomfortable or scary, where you're not in a place where you can just dial it in half asleep and keep going through the motions. No, you've got to like really expand your mind, expand your heart. And I, I think of our comfort zone as just this arbitrary boundary that we've created in our minds based on fear and, and just being willing to step out of it. There, there's a spiritual saying that says 
our good intentions are not enough. Our willingness is everything. So this is about being willing to stretch out of your comfort zone, being willing to have that uncomfortable conversation to leave your job and start your own business, to leave the relationship or, or perhaps get into a relationship if you're like me and very comfortable being single. So it, it's just, it's trying something new on for size and, and allowing yourself to really grow and expand. And that's when life gets really, really juicy. You share a story in this chapter that I think I, I would love to hear you expand on a little bit. And here you are, you have this successful career in TV from all, you know, everyone looking at you from the outside, you know, why wouldn't you want to stick with that? And you answered this call to go to Africa. And I'm curious, you know, you, you had to be willing to do that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and your takeaways? Yeah, this is, it's such, it's one of my, what's a favorite life memory. I li was living in Zimbabwe with my then boyfriend, who's one of the men who sadly left us um, by a suicide. And I was so uncomfortable. First, it was, yeah, dealing with all the pushback from everyone in the TV world who were like, I can't believe you're leaving your career to go to Africa. And I'm a very self-proclaimed high-maintenance woman. I like my spas, slippers, and robe, and fancy skincare products, and I'm not ashamed of that. And here I was living in the bush in Africa. I was not on a rich American safari, and there was no air conditioning. And it's Africa. It's hot. There's no Wi-Fi. There's, I'm sleeping in some bed with a, a net around it so I don't die from a mosquito bite. I mean, it was just really really intense, but I was able to meet so many incredible people. These two women who gave up their cushy lives. One was in Australia. The other was a native uh, African woman and they were saving the hippos and they were saving the elephants from deplorable conditions and, and rampant poaching. And just to meet them. And I was working for travel Africa magazine as a journalist and, and just some of the best stories I've ever learned or have written and that stories that are going to help greater causes than myself. And it just was so meaningful. And to be up close and personal with the wildlife and, and share this time with, with my boyfriend. And, you know, I look back, there are times, Ooh, I was so uncomfortable thinking, what did I get myself into? But I look back at that time and it's, it's still to this day is just a top, maybe even the top memory of my life. And that was in 2009. I can see why that would be a top memory. And, and if I could just ask one more question around that experience, because to, to leave the cultural metrics of success and that the, the, the TV career that so many people dream of, how did you know, Kate, that you were, that, that it was the right choice to, to go to Africa? Was that an intuition thing or was it a, just a big risk and you didn't know or what? That's such a great question and a, an important question. And I, I think it was, again, I kind of heard that call. It was the mm -hmm. intuition. And I think we're all always called, you know, they'd say few people yeah. are, are every, many are called, few choose to answer. And I think everyone is called and, and few choose to answer. And I did feel called. And that's the thing about when we stretch our comfort zone and take risks, the universe steps in to assist us. And I, I really believe in that. And that just goes back to another story from that chapter where leaving Los Angeles and moving to Chicago. And I, 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 for journalism school and another relationship. And I just, oh my gosh, it was so uncomfortable, but I put my house on the market and it sold still to this day, the highest week in the U S real estate market. It was like winning the lottery. My house tripled in value in three years. And so I just had this big 
chunk of money to live off of, you know, for, I mean, it's just, and six months prior to that, I never had any intention of leaving Los Angeles. So when we do take that risk, the universe, it steps in to assist us. And that Africa trip, it made me a much deeper, richer person. It made me so much more appreciative of my life and how spoiled we are in America, even under deplorable conditions. And I know not everyone is, is living in great conditions in this country, certainly, but they're, they're not walking barefoot with hundred pound jugs of water on their heads and mm -hmm. sleeping outside. I mean, some people are in this country, sadly, but it is just that recognition of how fortunate we are and how important it is to give back to people less fortunate and to support causes greater than ourselves. Yes. And we learn those things by doing just what you recommend in step one, stretching your comfort zone. That's how we see those things and have those experiences, I suppose. Um, yeah. So let's keep moving. Step two, lift yourself up. Um, we talked a little bit about this a moment ago when we were talking about your career as a swimsuit model, but I love I, I, me being someone who has struggled with body image um, my whole life um, as a, as a um, competitive dancer and a cheerleader and all the things like and so I know as a woman, I think everybody in this culture, females or folks who identify as females struggle with this, but I, you know, this is near and dear to my heart, this, this issue. And so to have this included as one of the steps in your full spirit workout is this idea of feeling comfortable and confident in your body. Um, how did you decide to include that as one of these spiritual steps to the spiritual workout? I think so many people are absolutely obsessed with their body image. And mm -hmm. I think most people, not all, I think most people have a very unhealthy relationship with themselves. And I can say that confidently because I've been that person and I'm by no means the thinnest I've ever been right now, but I'm the most comfortable I've ever been in my body because I know I'm so much more than my body <laughs> and yeah. I, I, my focus is, is not there. It's focusing on absolutely caring for it and treating it well with proper nutrition and exercise and sleep and meditation. But the, the whole obsession with trying to control the way it looks or needing it to look a certain way to fit into some societal standard that I don't believe in to some definition of beauty that I, I don't define myself by, I think it's time we all redefine beauty for ourselves, redefine mm -hmm. what it means to have a healthy and happy body and, and shift the focus to gratitude and, and thanking your body every day for everything it does for you. I mean, think about it. You wake up, you go about your day, you put in these 12 hour days at work, you run around. If you're a woman and have a child, my gosh, your body is a miracle. You produced a human being. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary what our bodies do for us without us. Not only are we not thanking them, but we're criticizing them and we're, we're treating them badly. Or for me, it's, I would overindulge in food and alcohol and then be mad that I didn't look and perform a certain way. And it's like, what are, what are you doing? So I think right. it's making that, that conscious choice to shift back into who we really are and, and what our body really does for us. And I do take you through exercises to shed that self-doubt and to release the negative thoughts that you have about your body first getting really clear about them some people don't even realize that they harbor such negative feelings toward themselves and, and then create a new story or mantra for yourself and, and create a new relationship with your body based on the truth not some lie that society has told you 
Exactly. And I just want to pause here and point out, um, this is in your book, um, I would love to have you speak a little bit to how it is structured, because um, we're going through, you know, there are the 10 steps to this full spirit workout, but the, the, each chapter is really rich with not only the content, but also you've got journaling exercises, meditations, affirmations, Coach Kate moments, all these all these um, different pieces where this is a very experiential book. Um, it's not just you read it. So I, if you want to speak to that a little bit about how it's structured and what you planned there for the reader. Sure. I really wanted it to be fun and interactive. And I think my stories and anecdotes where I'm just very raw and vulnerable and candid and, and very conversational. I'm a TV journalist and I want people, I, I'm a reader. I want I want a book that you actually want to read. I want exercises you actually want to do. So I, I created my dream book. I created the book that I could have really used, especially when I was younger. And, and But a book that I can still turn to today and that I will turn to every day. This is an evergreen message. It's like going to the gym. There's never a day where you think, okay, I worked out five days this week. I never have to go again. Or, okay, I've got my six pack. I don't, I would never had one. I wouldn't know, but okay. I can stop training. It really is, is the opposite. It's you need, once you are fit, you need to keep doing these practices. And not only is there no shame and, and re returning to practices and exercises daily, that's, that really shows your dedication. That shows your zest for life. That shows your love and respect for yourself. And, and think of Tom Brady, who is my age and still winning Super Bowls. I laugh that we were still, we were both big 10 athletes at the same time. I was swimming at Penn state. He was playing football at Michigan and he's still winning super bowls. And my knees hurt when I go to Pilates, but I say, <laughs> I say all of that to say Tom Brady trains harder than anybody, not because yeah. he's the worst, but because he's the best. So yes, there are the stories. Yes, there are all the research that is, but I, I wrote it in a, a way that you will digest easily rather than some daunting paper you have to read through. <laughs> and, I mean, come on. And then the journaling exercises to really get reflective and to really do the work, the meditations. And not only are the meditations in the book, but they are on my website for free and they're professionally mixed and mastered with high frequency sound and music to really take you on a journey into yourself and, and start to heal and get clear and get inspired. And, and then there are the coach Kate check-in moments, which are really heartfelt, but also gritty. There's a lot of honest labeling, as we say in coaching to really get underneath the hood of the car. We're going deep here. You're going to be asked questions. You've never been asked before because I'm here to help you change and grow, not stay the same. And then every chapter ends with the affirmation to really ground all of the knowledge and the practice into your body. You can tell that you really have done a lot of um, training and your own work. Um, it's because there's a lot of variety here in what you offer in, in my experience and what I found in the book. Um, yeah, and just, just FYI, for those out there listening, I'm talking today to Kate Ekman. Um, her last name is spelled E-C-K-M-A-N. Um, her website is kateekman.tv. And of course, the book that just came out is The Full Spirit Workout, which we are discussing here today. Um, so I know we're not going to have time to go through each and every step, and I'm sure you want folks to, you know, get the book so they can experience the steps for themselves. But 
Um, just touching on a few other things. One of the things that comes up pretty consistently in the book, I think, is, is um, you share a lot of stories about your, um, your relationships that you had. And I'm speaking more about romantic relationships. And I really liked how you have redefined relationships as soul assignments. And I'm curious what you mean by soul assignment. How did you come to this redefinition? And, and why, is, why is relationships so emphasized in the book? Because relationships are everything personally and professionally, first, of course, with ourselves, but then other people. And yeah, relationships are soul assignments here to help us grow. And unlike society that says relationships are even sometimes like use this person or get what you want from this person, that's not what we're talking about here. And, and it's, and, and really a good relationship doesn't always result in marriage or doesn't always result in a 40 year friendship. It, it really is about what you learn from that person and romantic relationships, unlike any other can be counted on to bring up all of our stuff to just <laughs> trigger the heck out of us. And, and what's juicy about that is, is you, you get to heal those wounds. And a lot of them come from childhood. A lot of them, we don't even realize we have and carry around and how much they weigh us down. And I think sometimes, and I've certainly been guilty of this where you do get triggered. And sometimes that means if something comes up that that person isn't for you. And quite frankly, you shouldn't be in close physical proximity with them or be in a relationship with them. But so much of the time someone's like, oh, are you, what does your friend say to you? Like, oh, well, he's not good enough for you. Screw him. But really that's, that's God. And the angels up there, like, as, as my mentor used to say to me, she's like, oh, that person's been sent from central casting to show you the own limits to your lovelessness. And you think, oh my gosh, because you know, it's so easy to love people who are loving. It's right. so easy to get along with people who tell us how wonderful we are, but the challenge is to love people who aren't loving. And the challenge is to get along with people who, who are difficult, which we're all difficult, by the way, we're human beings. We can all be difficult, but I think we can, when we can reframe how we look at relationships and that we're all brought together to heal and grow and learn from one another, you can kind of take the pressure off. And I talk about, you know, this emphasis with, Ooh, the special one and how that really sets us all up for failure. And, and to start looking at, you know, this person really hurt me, but I grew so much as a result. I learned a lot about that myself as a result. And also to, to, take the time to heal these wounds. So like me, you don't have to keep dating the same man over and over again. In my case, I talk about the emotionally unavailable man. And I had to discover that, oh, I'm attracting these men because I'm emotionally unavailable, but I thought I was so ready. But so it's just, it's getting really um, comfortable with being uncomfortable and and what we do sometimes subconsciously to sabotage ourselves and relationships. Yes. And one of the, if, if we could stick, stick on this topic just for a moment longer, there's this wonderful story you share. And I just feel like it will be helpful for someone out there, maybe more than one person even. And you were with a man who um, uh, turned out not to be that great. Um, mm -hmm. And there, things were really going south. And your friend took you through this thought experiment where she asked you to pretend you were single. And then um, do you mind sharing this, how she walked <laughs> you through this? Because if you're out there listening and you're in a relationship that's not so great, listen to this story because it may help you. <laughs> yeah, she took me through this illuminating thought experiment and said, all right, pretend you're single. I'm going to set you up with this guy. And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, playing along, like rolling my eyes, like, all right. And, and she said, okay, I've got this really great guy. I'm going to set you up with, you want to go out with him? And I'm like, 
okay. And she's like, great. So he's going to um, be spiritually passive. He's not going to celebrate your achievements. He's going to constantly bring up his ex-wife and talk about her ad, ad nauseum. He isn't supportive of your career. He blah, 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 like saying all these things. And I'm just, I'm disgusted and horrified. And then at the end she's like, so do you want to go out with him? And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, I just described your, your boyfriend. And it was just that moment of clarity, which was like, wow. And I think sometimes we do forget and we do get so wrapped up in the, the hormones and the, the physical and, and those sorts of things. And, and just really being clear about who we're giving our heart and our energy to, because it's, it's worth protecting and it's worth guarding. And, um, you know, sometimes for, I, I can't speak to anyone's relationship. Sometimes the right thing is to stay in and, and try to make things work. And the other time it's, it is to leave the relationship. But what I will say is that relationships are of the mind, meaning mm -hmm. you can break up, you can get the divorce, but if you're thinking about that person every day, and especially thinking what a jerk they are and that you're still married to that person. You may be physically divorced on paper, but you are still very much married to that person because they have completely taken over your thoughts and your world. So that's why it's, it's not even about marriage, not marriage, but it's really about detaching from your mind and, and letting go energetically and, and really letting go of any codependency tendencies. And, and that can only happen when we have built such a strong, loving relationship with ourselves. And there are several points in the book, since you're talking about this, if you're, even if you are legally, physically divorced from this person, if you were still going there in your mind over and over again, you're basically still married to them. So a couple of your steps really relate to this, this, well, we'll just pick your mental metabolism, for example. Um, and then the, also what you talk about in um, working around uh, core beliefs. So what are some of the things that, that you uh, offer in the book uh, around um, how to shift and change what's going on in our minds, whether that's around relationships or anything else for that matter. I think a really great tool is the tool known as reframing. And that's just taking a thought. I write in the book about, I had this belief that where I would always say, I'm such a perfectionist and it's, it's holding me back. Cause I was, I had this obsession with perfectionism, which is, is really unhealthy. And a lot of people can relate to that. And so I was working with my friend, Natasha, and she said, you're like this way, or you like, you'd like this because you care. And she said, so what if you could reframe, I'm a perfectionist and it's holding me back to, I have a respect for mastery and that's what makes me an excellent coach, speaker, author, et cetera. And even just coming from a place of, I have a respect for mastery, that, that just already feels so much better in the body. And so mm -hmm. another thing I often hear people say, this is so hard. And so then I go, there's two words that can help you shift out of that. And it's what if, so what if this wasn't hard? What if this was easy? What if this is the exact thing you need to accomplish all of your goals? What if this is fun? What if this is something you can do with your best friend? What if this becomes your new favorite thing to do? Do you see how much better that feels? I'm even like, I'm like bouncing in my seat and moving my hands all around. I'm like, woo, yeah, this is fun. Oh, I can do this with my best friend. So it's, it's, it's shifting out of that and, and, and being willing to have a different thought or something like that. And another big tool for shifting anything or what I call my five P's of confidence, which are presence, patience, purpose, preparation, 
and practice. And because I love you, Sunny, and your audience, I'm going to give you my two bonus P's. And they are pause and person, as in be a person. And I'll, I'll touch on that last one for a second, because we don't have time to go through all of them. But be a person is something my my speaking coach, Eduardo Placer, always says to me, because I am a woman who has to overcome my obsession with performance and perfectionism. So he always is saying to me, just be a freaking person. Yeah. And what I love about that is, doesn't that sound so much more fun and easy than I have to deliver a perfect performance? I have to show up on Zoom and wow all these investors. I have to, this has to be perfect or no one's going to like me or hire me. All these things we say to ourselves. But be a person. I, I can do that because that involves our humanity and it might be a little messy or flawed, but that's beautiful and relatable. And then people are like, great, I'm talking to a person and not a blow up doll. <laughs> so it's like, just be a freaking person. Yes. You share a beautiful story around uh, speaking, um, I guess, uh, 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 what do you call it? An event that you did where you were required in a very short amount of time to come up with something that you would share with an audience of like a thousand plus people. And while you were all for a moment worried about had you made a mistake, there was someone who came up to you at the end of it. And that just, that answered the entire question of, was it what it was supposed to be? Um, do, you, do you, do you mind sharing that story? Sure. I just love your questions. You're so great. I you're just, you're wonderful. Oh, um, this, yeah, I, I was in that moment of, you know, I do that to myself a lot, or I'd say I've worked through that. Now I'm not in that place now, which feels really good because I've worked, worked these steps really hard, but, um, it was that moment of like, Oh, I could have been better. I wanted to essentially be where I would be after delivering this speech a hundred times. And it was my <laughs> first time. And I put it together in five days and it was imp impressive that any of us did, did, did this at all. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, I'm just sitting there and I, I think I was just exhausted and caught in my head. And this woman from the audience came up to me with her hand over her heart. And she just, she looked like she was going to weep. And she looked me right in my eyes and she said, thank you so much. You opened my heart. And mm -hmm. I just was like, Oh, and I just, I just wanted to cry. I want to cry thinking about it because when I had taken the speaking course years ago in Santa Fe, which is where you are now, which is yes. so cool. Ah. I remember I worked with a partner when I was putting my speech together and, and we came up with what my coach called our original medicine, which is your special gift that you offer to the world, you and only you. And this woman labeled me the open heart surgeon because she said, oh, it makes me cry. She said, you just have this way of opening everybody's heart and it's so beautiful. And so here was this woman using that exact language and she had no idea about any of this. And she yeah. said, thank you for opening my heart. And I realized in that moment that I did my job and yeah. the rest is history. And it's just, this is how life works, right? When we just yeah. are willing to show up, do our best, be vulnerable, put ourselves out there. This is what happens. And I just, I just encourage everyone to start living from this place versus the fear and the competition and, and all the other nonsense. Yes. Cause opening the heart, man, you can't get better than that. Who cares if it's perfect? Who cares what the, it just that, that connection that you created with, I'm sure more than that one member of the audience, heart to heart, man, that's what it's all about. And it came from you being, as you say, a freaking person. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> 
Oh, well, there's, there's one, um, I mean, there's several other things I want to touch on, but one that I want to make sure that we talk about as we're getting closer to the end of our time together is it's from step eight and it's about, you call embracing your endorphins and you write that through spiritual fitness, we can create the equivalent of a runner's high. Um, what do you mean by that? How do we get those spiritual endorphins and what are they? Yeah, it's about leaning into joy and taking a moment. You know, we all focus on what sucks or what's bringing us down or what we don't like. And we don't spend enough time sitting and thinking about what brings us joy. And I, I did the research and I asked so many people, what brings you joy? And I loved the answers I got because none of them were a 10,000 trip to Lake Como, a Rolex, a Ferrari, none of that came up from anyone. And I asked a lot of people and it, it really was those simple moments. My morning coffee with my husband and the dog. Mm. I, I get joy watching my two-year-old watch the bees and seeing the, the wonder and awe in his eyes, watching the bees do their job. And I thought, oh my gosh, or a lot of people brought up gardening and just getting their hands dirty and being one with nature and thinking about something besides all their stuff going on. And for me, I wrote about besides being with, with the dog and the joy that he brings, but this moment in, in Seattle, outside of Seattle, being snowshoeing in, in the mountains and just sitting in this snowy blanket and just being in awe and wonder of the mountains and the snow and nature and, and taking myself back to that moment when I am in a place of stress. And all of these things are so simple. And I think making a list of what brings you joy and why, so that you can access that more often. And what I love about all these things, they're free or inexpensive. They're about experiences, not stuff mm -hmm. and something we can access at any time. And then once you've had that experience, that's why I love to travel because those memories are in my heart. They're in my mind. They're in my body forever. I can meditate and, and go back to this, where I sat in Lisbon, overlooking the city on this sunny day or, or being, you know, in Lake Como or, or even just being in my parents' backyard in Ohio. You don't have to go anywhere extravagant. It's just that moment of peace where you feel like all right, all is right in the world because you, you've slowed down and you've just settled into the present moment. Yes. And I think so much in our culture is all around, like you were saying, we would think, oh, it's the stuff or it's the money or that, you know, people talk about legacy and what you're leaving behind. And I think in terms of, you know, material stuff and what you have created in this book and the memories, all of the experiences that you had that contributed to this, whoo, now that's a legacy, Kate. And it's just beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Well, we're, I think we've got just about a minute or two left. Um, of course, I've been joined today by Kate Ekman. She has a brand new book out, The Full Spirit Workout. Her website is kateekman.tv. That's kateekman.tv. And Ekman is E-C-K-M-A-N. Um, Kate, we really do have just about 60 seconds or less left. Is there anything we didn't touch on or a final message you'd like to leave with our audience today? Sure. I would just like to remind everyone how powerful they are and that you can do absolutely anything that you decide is important enough. And the time is now. I believe in you. I know you believe in yourself and on the days when it's hard and you want to throw in the towel, show up for your family or your organization or a cause greater than yourself. And I can't wait to see the gifts and strengths that you share with the world because they matter and you matter. And, and thank you so much for being on this journey of self-discovery with me. 
Absolutely. I'm glad to be on it with you. Have so much fun. I had so much fun reading the book and I just wish you all the um, joy and happiness and success in the world as this uh, makes the rounds and, and changes lives. Um, and this full spirit workout, man, uh, you can discover just how powerful your life can be when you align with your spirit and align with the divine. And uh, Kate shows you how to do it in this book. So Kate, thanks so much for being on Sunny in Seattle today. Sunny, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Yes, and same to everyone out there. Thanks, Benny, for running the board in Seattle. Thanks, Jeff and Petaluma, and I will see everyone next week. This is Sunny Joy for Sunny in Seattle signing off.